0: Good afternoon. And it's time for another Rich in Relationship exploration today. We are exploring today denial and gaslighting and the relationship between the two. And this is coming out of uh, last week, we talked about racism thriving on denial and gaslighting. And what we need to realize is that racism, as it shows up in the world, Is coming from me or you, comes from ourselves. What we need to get is that the reason why racism thrives on denial and gaslighting is because we all have denial and gaslighting going on in our lives to different degrees and different levels, not necessarily in the extreme, but they're happening. So, what is denial? Denial is when Something's going on in our lives that we don't want to acknowledge Denial is uh, in an alcoholic for example denial is I don't ha- I don't have a problem. I just like to drink a lot It's a cheap excuse to get my thirst flaked and what is gaslighting gaslighting is when we're in a relationship with someone and they are convincing us that reality is different than we believe that it is. So last week we talked about how these two things relate to slavery. This week we're gonna talk about how they happen in our own lives in a day-to-day experience. Let's start with denial. You don't have to have a big problem in your life to be in denial, but frequently when there are big problems, it's because we have been in denial for some time. When we're looking at our lives regularly, and looking for the stops or the problems or whatever you wanna call these things, the places, the challenges, or the opportunities if you're feeling super optimistic, when we're looking for these things, then denial is lower. When we're going through our lives just trying to check the boxes, okay, got the kids to school, check. Had sex, check. Went to the gym, check. Or whatever your checklist is, I'm giving you you my checklist. (laughs) which is pretty pretty narrow and thin. Um, when we're living on the checklist, we stop seeing the, the issues or the things that might be coming up unless it shows up as a box not being checked. That's an example of how denial can come up. So what that means is we're so focused on our agenda that we don't see the problems in process. And so really what we're talking about is process versus goals. So if you're super goal-oriented, it's, it can be, denial can become a, a problem. If you're very relationally oriented, denial is less likely to be a problem, unless you have a goal that is relationally oriented and denial, like if you're in a relationship with an alcoholic, for example, you might be in denial about there being an alcoholic because you wanna, you enjoy having the relationship where you have some control over their lives. And so, instead of calling them alcoholics, you might just not see it as that. And so the denial, or the alcoholic, this is where denial and gaslighting start to play together. The alcoholic may be convincing you that they're not an alcoholic, even when all the evidence shows they are, that would be gaslighting. The evidence is that they drink too much. The evidence is that when they drink, that um, it interferes with their work. The evidence is when they drink, they behave in ways that they don't behave. Normally they go through a character change. The evidence is, that they can't stop drinking even when they say that they can. And yet they convince, they, their denial tells them they don't have a problem. And their gaslighting of you is that, no, I don't have a problem. I can control it, even though the evidence says that I can. No, I don't have a problem because I'm still drawing a paycheck, even though they might be losing your job or might lose multiple jobs. That's a low-level form of gaslighting. Gaslighting, just to be clear, comes from the movie uh, Gaslight, which was made, I believe, in 1944, and it's uh, an excellent movie, actually, you should check it out, it's very dramatic. And it's a movie all about someone who is gaslit by her spouse, I believe. I spent a long time since I've seen it, it might be time to revisit it. Okay, so denial and gaslighting. And now you have an idea of the relationship between them. Now, we can be, I don't think we can be gaslit I don't think someone can gaslight us unless we have denial happening. Think about that for a second. Is it possible for someone to totally brainwash us and convince us to do things that are not in alignment with our values and to convince us that what we see isn't actually happening unless we're willing to be gaslit. And so willing to be gaslit would be where we are in denial. Willing to be gaslit would be where we don't want to see reality. Willing to be gaslit would, might be where the person who's gaslighting us is more important to us. We've decided that relationship is more important to us than our own values and our own principles. And that, underneath, uh, that And underneath being untrue to our own values and principles is a sense of lack of self-worth of some kind. So if we have, we all have values and principles, whether we're aware of them or not, when we compromise our values and principles, it's because we question our own self-worth. We're willing to sell those, sell, I put in quotation marks, these things that are important to us, that are core to us for affirmation of who we are. And so going back to the example of the alcoholic, we're willing to sell our values and principles, live with someone who is, dishonest and abusive, as alcoholics f- uh, frequently are, so that we can feel like, well, somebody loves us, somebody is with us, and our, but our values are that we believe in honesty, and we believe in really being loved, and things like that. So the point being, almost impossible to be gaslit unless there's denial happening in us already. Now, there are levels of denial and there are levels of gaslighting. So instead of thinking of I'm in denial or I'm being gaslit, I want you to think of these things as a scale. Uh, Like on a scale of one to ten. And in psychology there's a belief that some denial is actually healthy. For example, if we're going through a major crisis that our psyche just maybe can't handle some denial about the impact of that crisis may be considered healthy because it helps us to function on a day-to-day basis. And so where's the line between healthy and unhealthy denial? I don't think anyone has really determined that, Uh, but I would assume that it's something like this, that when that compromise we're making in our view of reality, continues even past the point where, where, where it's no longer helping us in our day-to-day functioning, but, it, but it's hurting us in our day-to-day functioning, that would be where denial becomes unhealthy. It's hard to believe that denial could be healthy in any way. And at the same time, when our, the operating system for our mind is completely overwhelmed and yet we still need to eat, we still need to sleep, we still need to care for ourselves, I mean, maybe we need to care for others. You can see how some denial about what's overwhelming that operating system is going to be helpful rather than have a crash, right, in the middle of doing something. And so you can see how that, I guess I'm processing this myself, I can see how that would be healthy, and actually I can say that from my own past, You know, as a child, my parents fought like cats and dogs. And then when they weren't fighting, they often turned on the children. They were not always the happiest of people. And they had a lot of feelings to express and tended to express them to anyone who was around. And at the time, I really had no idea what was going on. My brother and I really had no idea what was going on. And there was a lot of denial about whether we were, whether this was good or not. Uh, in order to function on a day-to-day basis, we basically shrugged it off and moved on, even though it was incredibly painful. And it took a lot of therapy and a lot of work to work it out later. Now, it's not because my parents were evil or bad people, and I'm not a terrible victim of my parents. But what I am is the product of two people who were very damaged and did not understand how to express their feelings properly at that time. And interestingly, uh, my father's no longer with us, but my mother is uh, done a 180 in her life today. She's not at all that kind of person. And so it's not that she was evil or bad, it's that she was passing through some things and didn't know how to handle her feelings and shared them with her children in a way that wasn't helpful for her children. And we had some denial about what we, we all had some denial about what was going on there. And what we when we dug deeper, we found out that there were deceptions upon deceptions and Uh, It was really when reality hit when we when our psyches were ready to absorb the reality of a Parent who left the country and abandoned everyone and left everyone penniless when we were ready to see what had happened And then we started to understand All the little denials that were going on Huggy I'll give you a great example. Um, I remember uh, I was I was in the home of a woman my father was presumably engaged with. And at two in the morning, the woman woke me up and said, my name was Dickie at the time. She said, Dickie, why didn't you tell me that your father was still married to so-and-so? And you know, at the time, I remember waking up and I remember hearing it. Uh, and I actually had no clue that he was still married to so-and-so. But when she said it, I knew it was true. And so that's an exam, and I couldn't even argue. I couldn't say to her, but you don't, first of all, it was two in the morning, I was very sleepy, but I couldn't say to her, I just didn't realize it, I didn't know. But I did, because I did know, in my heart, I didn't know. So there was a healthy denial, or maybe it was an unhealthy denial going on about that at that time, where I, I was pretending that things were different than they were, and where, in order to function in a day-to-day basis. And when she woke me up and told me this, the whole thing shattered, the whole denial shattered. Now, was that healthy or unhealthy? Not so sure today. Uh, I think it might've crossed the line it's unhealthy. So it is, our minds do think, basically denial is something our minds do to protect the operating system is probably the best way to put it. It's not that we're dishonest people not that we're horrible, looking the other way kind of people. I mean, in that instance, I really wanted a stable home, and the relationship my father had with this woman was the first stable home I'd had in some time. And so I chose not to pay attention to the fact that the other thing hadn't quite been resolved. Um, And was that healthy? Maybe. Well, I can tell you that that woman, who is no longer with us, uh, became a dear friend and a dear mentor to me and that her children are still my friends today and um, that only good came out of it in the long run but is that about whether it was healthy denial or not no that's about people caring and being loving and having clear intentions all right and so that's also a great example of gaslighting hmm right because she was being gas lit My father at that time. And she was being gaslit in the sense that he was telling her, Oh, yeah, I've cleaned up all this and I'm ready to be your one and only and you're true. And in fact, he was having two relationships at once. So that's a great example of gaslighting. And where is it on the scale of gaslighting? If you see the movie Gaslight, um, that's like a 10, this is like a 5. And Gaslighting in many ways is when people lie to us and we choose to believe them, even though we sense that something's not true. So let's talk about how do we deal with gaslighting and denial. First of all, all of us, we've established that all of us, for all of us, denial is a mechanism that sometimes may be good for us, but often is not. The reason we have denial is because often we are not ready to change. If we want to deal with denial, we need to be ready to change. Ready to change. The denial is about a situation that's out of sync with how we want reality to be. Going back to my story about my father and da, da 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 da, I wanted reality to be a certain way. I wanted to have a stable home. And yet, in my heart, I knew that the instability was going to be as it always had been because the source was my father the source of the instability. Yeah, this, in terms of my external environment. I wasn't ready to accept that this man, who was a role model for me, I was, like, I, was, I was 16 or 17, was, his values were not in alignment with mine. I wasn't willing to accept that he was inconsistent. And so, so I wasn't, because I wasn't ready, that opened me up to denial and to pain and hurt. And I have to say that when my relationship was best with my father is when I accepted him for who he was, except that his values were not in alignment with mine, never would be, but still loved him, you know, my life got so much easier. Because at that point, I was ready to change. I was ready to change my expectation of him. I was ready to change my image of him. And I was, re- and I was ready to accept that I would be fine no matter who he was. That's a form of, ex- of, of readiness to change. The issue is motivation to persevere. So when we see that things are not lined up as we want them to be in our lives, how motivated are we to persevere to the truth and to joy? It may be happiness, but certainly joy. Distinction being happiness is when our sense of well-being is high and when the low stress. Joy is when we are under intense stress, but we know we're moving to something better. We have hope in the future, and because we have hope in the future, There is power now. I love that expression. Dealing with denial is about access to help. Um, In the end, working through, as I said to you, working through all my stuff about my family and all that, I got a lot of help. I got therapists, I got coaches, I got mentors along over the years, and all these people helped me to work these things out and work it through so that today, I'm a whole and complete human being moving forward with a plan for life that helps others and hurts others as little as possible. That's like, like part of those are some of my core values and how I live. All of that came out of getting access to help. The issue is having alternatives and options. Sometimes we feel like we don't have alternatives and options. Sometimes we feel like there isn't access to alternatives and options. There are always alternatives and options to the situation they're in but we may feel like there are no alternatives and options going back to the woman who's in a relationship with an alcoholic she may feel that there aren't any other men who will love her and so she's willing to compromise herself look the other way on her boyfriend husband lovers alcoholism so that she can have that a man in her life but in fact there's there's other plenty of fish in the sea, as you've heard the expression, it's just about how she feels or he feels about themself. Um, And often the issue is an unaddressed underlying trauma. And so in all of these examples I've given you from myself and the alcoholic, the woman with the relationship with the alcoholic, there's an underlying trauma that leads to it. There's underlying trauma that leads us to wanna to have stable people or believe people are stable when they're not. I think in both stories, that's what's consistent. If you're experiencing denial, or if you think that you're experiencing denial, if you think that something's going on that's different than you believe that it is, start with this readiness to change. But keep in mind that you need to be motivated to persevere. You need to have access to help. You're not going to get through it all on your own. Like Very often, denial, the truth, getting to the truth, when we've been living in denial, getting to the truth requires being affirmed by people that we trust and value around us, who have no subjective investment in what we decide. That's usually a professional or a third party. It might be a friend who really loves and cares for us. True friends are willing to sacrifice their friendship in order to be a real friend. So a true friend will shoot us between the eyes if they think that's what's best for us, but how many of those do you have in your life? I know those are few and far between for most people that kind of friend. Dealing with denial has access to help. Uh, it's ex- getting that there are a million alternatives and options out there if you just open your eyes. And the big thing is what's the underlying trauma? So now gaslighting comes out of that. But when we're dealing with a gas lighter, right, we have a whole nother person to deal with, not just our own denial. So when we're dealing with the gas lighter, we need to recognize what drives behavior. And so in the case of the alcoholic, what drives the behavior is they have a physical, emotional, and spiritual need to drink. They're physically addicted, they're emotionally addicted. Um, And so if you understand that they have a disease, that it's not that they're bad people, that they have a disease, then once you understand that motivation, it's easier to, to see the other pieces fall into place. Or so if I go to the example of my father, um, I needed to understand that he was pathological in some of the things that he did, and that he had underlying trauma that that drove him to be that way. And once I understood the pattern, I understood why he was the way he was, and that I understood that I could not fix it, nor could I help him fix it, but I was able to deal with him as a human being and love him and be there for him with far less disappointment and hurt on my side of the pool you need to react to their claims in the right way. So what are the, react to their claims in the right, way? once you understand the trauma or what's driving the behavior and you understand where the claims are coming from, you can react to them without fighting them, without denying them, but without accepting them. Mm -hmm. Think about that. So you've got someone who's gaslighting you, they're convincing you that reality is different than you perceive it to be. Once you get that reality is what you perceive it to be, you don't have to convince them that they're wrong. You don't have to convince them that you know and that they're big poops for being that way. You just need to get that they do what they do because they know no other way. And you need to get that they may really on some level believe what they're saying. Like very often gaslighters believe what it is they're saying on some level even though underneath it all they, they know the truth very often they're, they're, they have a pattern of denial and self-delusion going on in their own lives. So you can accept it, you can deny it as it comes at you, you don't have to receive it. You can say, I don't receive that, I, I, I don't agree with that, I'm sorry you feel that way, but you don't have to make them wrong, which is very often the mistake, the mistake we make with gaslighters is we try and convince them that they're wrong And that's, you'll never win that battle because they are the masters of what? Gaslighting. And if we were good at it, we wouldn't be prey to them. Okay, don't second guess yourself is another piece of gaslighting. I remember once um, I was visiting, even after I resolved all this stuff with my father, I thought I had resolved. I went to go visit him and he made a claim at the dinner table with some other people there that I knew was fallacious. And the first thing I did was say, that's not true. And then I looked around the table and realized that there was no way he was ever gonna agree with me in front of all these people. And plus that I was diminishing my father in the eyes of these other people. And I said, I'm not feeling well, I need to go. And I left the room. Now I left the room, not because I thought I was wrong. Well, actually for a moment, for a moment I actually questioned whether I was right about this. But then I realized I was right about it, but it wasn't going to change. So if you do second guess yourself, don't hang out there. The, the, if the, the gaslighter presents something that you know is fallacious, is a lie, is not truthful, don't second guess yourself, get that it's not the truth. And sometimes a lie has got truth mixed into it, so this gets trickier. The last part is if you're going to remain in a relationship with a gas lighter, the gaslighting is going to continue because very often they can't help themselves. You, just like denial, outside help is really important, but in a way it's even more important because when we seek outside help for denial, we're saying, I've got a problem with denial. We're acknowledging that we have a problem with denial. I have a problem with denial and I need help understanding why I'm doing it. Is it positive or negative? How do I get to the truth? How am I gonna uh, get to an alternative and an option? How do I cleanse the underlying trauma? When we're dealing with a gaslighter though, and it goes on and on and on, we need help with reaffirming that our reality is truth for us. We need help with reaffirming that what they're presenting really isn't, because gaslighters, really good gaslighters are like con artists. They will convince you that you have no teeth when you have teeth. A a good gaslighter is incredibly emotionally seductive. A good gaslighter is an incredibly cogent arguer. A good gaslighter is charismatic and convincing. And so having someone on the outside who's gonna be your rock is what makes the difference until you establish that rock within you that makes the difference between whether that gaslight has sway over you or not. And the last part is, if you're in a relationship with a gaslighter and you just can't seem to shake the effects of it, you can always get out. Uh, in, In the case of my father, I was out of his life for a few years before I found my sense of self, found my own values, and was able to establish reality as I experienced it and accept what he saw as reality as his reality without fighting against it, but without embracing it. And so outside help, again, coaching, therapy, group therapy, uh, prayer, meditation, a relationship with a priest or a rabbi, any kind of help that fits you is important. And on the spiritual plane, uh, if if you have a sense of a higher power in your life, That can become your rock. That can be the rock that you take into your life. The the most cleansing thing for most people is the experience of having a connection to something greater than themselves that is going to lift the denial out of them, lift the dishonesty out of them, lift the self-doubt out of them. However, and whatever that process is, if you explain it in psychological terms or spiritual terms, it seems to work that's all that we have for today. Uh, I want to remind you that if you want to explore this further, you can reach me at richinrelationship.com or direct message me uh, on Facebook or LinkedIn, and we can go back and forth about this. I'm available. You're clearly, someone who's been through it and understands it, I'm willing to share my experience, strength, and hope with others. I guess that's it. Have a day. Great day. Digest this and look to see where the seeds of denial in your life and look to see are there gaslighters in your life, low level, high level gaslighters, and how will you contend with them?